Hi, good morning, Serepta Church. Uh, I'm with you here for the, our last talk on prayer. And uh, once again, I just want to say how grateful I am to Alan and the team for inviting me to do these four sessions with you. It really has been an honor and a joy. There are a few subjects that are as close to my heart as intimacy with Jesus through prayer and also collaboration with Jesus through prayer to be an instrument of his kingdom of love to all those around us. So we have been talking about Lord teach us to pray and I first looked at learning with Jesus in terms of the initial introduction and the second talk was basically learning from Jesus's teaching on prayer. The third talk last week was learning of Jesus' Jesus's example of prayer, which ended up that on the cross, Jesus actually prayed the Psalms, Psalm 22, Psalm 31, um, a lot. He was quoting the Psalms and praying the Psalms, which ultimately is was the, the background formation and the source and training of Jesus in prayer was praying the Psalms. So let me end up this brief series of talks on prayer. Lord, teach us to pray about the importance of praying the Psalms. And uh, once again, before I go further, I just want to honor the presence of our King. Jesus you are beautiful. Jesus, you are wonderful. I honor you again and I worship you. I just hold you sacred among us. You are in every lounge, every room, every heart, wherever people are listening. Jesus, you are there by your Holy Spirit. So we honor you. We worship you. And we ask you once again, teach us through your Holy Spirit as we break the word of life. And Father, behind everything is who you are as the God of love. And we just receive you, Father, and your outpoured love incarnate in your Son and through the power of your Spirit. So teach us as we share now in the name of Jesus. So, friends, on the cross, and not only on the cross, but through his life, Jesus prayed and quoted the Psalms, but particularly on the cross. In fact, just to say that that um, biblical scholars who've done the historical Jesus research, and there's a guy in particular, a Catholic scholar in America, J.P. Meyer, who has done a very careful examination of all the Gospels, and he's shown that uh, Jesus... Jesus' references as a rabbi echoing scripture continually with phrases without necessarily giving the actual reference. Jesus quoted most from the book of Psalms, secondly quoted Isaiah, and thirdly Daniel, and then some of the other prophets and Torah here and there. But Jesus was steeped in the Psalms, and Jesus' profound prayer life, and therefore his kind of engagement with the Father by in and through the Spirit, the power and the presence of the Spirit of love of the Father was, was uh, sourced and steeped 
and formed in his discipline of praying the Psalms. So all Jewish people in those days and even today, and especially Orthodox, Conservative Judaism, Orthodox Judaism and Hasidic Judaism, they learn all 150 Psalms by heart. The, the Psalter is made up of five books and they call it the books of David. In Hebrew tradition, the Psalms are attributed to David, although some Psalms were written by some other people, but by far the majority were written by David. And the rabbis actually say this. They say that uh, God spoke to Israel, gave his word to Israel through the five books of Moses, Torah, what we call the Pentateuch. But then God gave to Israel the five books of David, inspired prayers, words given to David by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the Holy One. And so God's word spoken to us through the five books of Moses. We answer God's word through the five books of David by praying the prayers of David. Um, because you know that the Psalter is divided up into five books. So God gave inspired prayers, actually words to Israel to teach Israel to pray. And the, and the Psalms is Israel's prayer book even to this day. And sadly, in evangelical Protestant, um, well, evangelical Christianity more, I guess, certainly Pentecostal and Charismatic Christianity, we have seen the Psalms as like old fuddy-duddy prayers that the Catholics pray and the Orthodox maybe chant and the monks chant, but it's religious ritual, it's empty. And I tell you, we have lost such a rich resource. We as followers of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, he was a Jewish rabbi steeped in the Hebrew Scriptures, praying the Psalms continually, which actually taught him how to pray. And he memorized, even today, most Orthodox Jews, certainly Hasidics, know all 150 Psalms by heart. And they pray them continually. They pray them. So the way the Psalter was put together, the editors that finally drew together all David's Psalms and other Psalms and put it together in a prayer book, is very important to understand. Because this is how we learn to pray. And by the way, I'm actually working from my book here, uh, Praying the Psalms, Volume 1 called Learning to Pray. And so when we enter the, the book of Psalms and we learn to pray David's prayers, inspired words given to David for us to pray, then we learn how to pray. And, and this book is a 12, 12 Psalms, 12 meditations, a 12-week program in introducing us to prayer and then praying the Psalms. And the way the Psalter is put together, the first five Psalms are, inter, are introduction to prayer, learning how to pray, entering prayer. And the last five Psalms, 45 to 50, are basically the, the conclusion of prayer, which is a life of sheer praise, <laughs> of ruling and reigning with God through praise and jubilation and victory. <laughs> so there are five Psalms at the beginning of the Psalter that introduce prayer, entering the life of prayer, and there are five Psalms at the end, which end up in the, in the praise of prayer. So what I'm going to do in my remaining time now is just talk through the five Psalms and learning how to pray. And of course, as I said, 
this is what Jesus went through. And Jesus learned the Psalms, prayed them by heart. And, and, and they were literally in his mind, in his, in his thought life. Just to, just to say, um, before I get into the actual uh, first five Psalms, is that Hebrew prayer primarily is verbal prayer. And the verbal prayer is answering God, God's word spoken to us. So as I read Torah, Moses, and I see a phrase and I talk to God about it and I answer God, God speaks to me and we speak back to God. That's prayer, dialogue, conversation, not monologue. So I hear God, I listen to God, I speak back to God, and God speaks to me and I speak back. And this is this ongoing conversation through inspired words and through inspired words, the Psalms. Of course, when we pray the Psalms, it leads to other stuff that we start praying spontaneously about our lives and circumstance and situation, which is all personalized to each to, to each individual um, you know, as per your context and situation in life. But if you pray the Psalms and learn the Psalms and memorize the Psalms, what happens is it enters the very texture of your thoughts and you start thinking the words, the, the word of God. It, it's, it disciplines your emotions. It actually becomes the, the spirit of prayer in you, whereby, like Paul says, pray Without ceasing, pray continually. So it's this continuous spirit of prayer praying in you because the, the word of God is in your mind, it's on your lips and you're saying it and you're praying it and you all the time. And so we see that in Jesus. And if I had time, I would illustrate it in the Gospels of Jesus's continuing, ongoing, ceaseless quoting of Scripture as a form of prayer to answer the Father and to hear the Father. So... Psalm 1 is basically uh, uh, the movement from inattention to attention before God. Psalm 1 is to call Israel and God's people to, uh, to attention in prayer. And it describes basically being fully attentive and present to God um, and developing a life of, of prayer. Blessed Baruch is the first word of God's blessing. Blessed is the person, not the man. The, uh, the, the old Bible says blessed is the man, but there are also women around. I think you guys have realized that before. Eh? So blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the mockers. And there's a slowing down process from walking to sitting, at least to standing and to sitting but actually sits and focuses on God's word. Because blessed is the person who sits and dwells and whose delight is in the law of the Lord, in Torah, in God's word, who meditates on that word both day and night. And then it gives an image, that person is like a tree. So then this idea of this massive tree with deep roots into the word of God is a picture of the life of prayer, because this Psalm 1 is an introduction to the, uh, the, the book of prayer for Israel, the life of prayer, how to pray. When you enter prayer and you learn to pray, you're building your life like a massive oak tree, putting down deep roots into the water of the Word of God, because the Word of God is Hebraic praying. You read and you pray. You read a text and you talk to God about it in your mind and even on your lips. 
And as you talk about it, there's more revelation that comes. That is meditation. Hebrew meditation, you meditate on the Word of God both night and day. Meditation is like the cow chewing the cud. You have a text, you talk to God about it, you think about it, you swallow it, you you regurgitate it, you think more, the Holy Spirit reveals more, you read further, you pray more, and there is this interactive communion in and through the Word of God that becomes your flesh, your thought life, your emotional life, your health in your body. Proverbs 4, Solomon says that the Word of God is health to your body, life to your bones, and, and, and so forth. So the contrast in Psalm 1 is to become, to slow down from the busyness of life and all that the ungodly are saying and doing around us, from walking to standing to sitting to engaging in stillness and solitude, God's word, the life of prayer and beginning to pray. That's like growing a long, strong, slow-growing redwood in California that is that will... St- Stand there for hundreds of years. And the contrast is that when the wind and the waves come, it's not blown about. And that you have fruit all the time and whatever you do prospers. That's the promise. And it's in contrast to the chaff, the ungodly. A life of prayerlessness is like the chaff that is just blown in the wind. So, you know, when they have the harvest and they get the wheat, they put it on a threshing floor and they beat it and all all the chaff falls off and the grain um, separates and then they throw the, um, all the, um, the, the stubble in the wind and the wind blows the chaff away. A life of prayerlessness, of following your own gods and your own lower nature, your corrupted appetites, your sinful desires and living the way of the world and the wind is like the chaff being driven in the wind. You have no rootedness, no stability, no purpose, no meaning and no fruit. That is a very painful, tragic life to be at the mercy of the wind of what blows across your path and your mind and your emotions every day and the feelings in your body your emotions that attack you, your mind and your thought life and the busyness, all of that is like the wind that blows. You need to be a tree. So that's the first song, the movement from inattention where our focus is scattered and disparate and fragmented by the demand to be stimulated by everything around us to slowing down and weaning ourselves to become present to God, present to the one who's fully present to us and to focus fully present in this quiet time, in this devotional time before the Lord, so that I'm engaging with God through his word and listening and growing a life of prayer. And then the Psalm 2 is the second movement. The first movement is from inattention to attention before God. And the second movement is the movement from intimidation to adoration and collaboration. So Psalm 2 essentially is about the the intimidating environment of the rule of ungodly empires and powers and how that they intimidate God's people and, and go against God's purposes. And basically God laughs at them 
and says, here is my anointed, here is my king, here is my kingdom and my anointed one. <laughs> and the call is to kiss the son, adore and worship God's Mashiach, the anointed one. And so basically what Psalm 2 is saying is prayer actually um, breaks the power of the intimidating context in which we live, where everything is anti-God. And prayer connects you with God's king and his kingdom. And through kissing the king, talking with the king, we collaborate with the king to be instruments of his kingdom come through prayer. Because Psalm 2 ends up saying that ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. I'll give you the ends of the earth for your possession because he talks about the rule of the scepter of the king who will defeat all the kingdoms of darkness and evil and whatever happens around us so psalm 2 is praying our intimidation and moving from intimidation to adoration and collaboration by a vision of god's king and god's kingdom the more you pray dear friends and the more you, your eyes become moist and your heart becomes soft, you see clearly King Jesus for who he really is, triumphant over all kingdoms, all evil. And prayer is entry into that adoration of the king and collaboration with the king against all the rule of darkness to extend God's kingdom. That's the second psalm. And I encourage you in your own time. And if you want to get hold of this book, I've got copies and it's available on Kindle through Amazon. It's actually very cheap. I think it was $2.99 a while ago. Amazon brought it down. But um, you're welcome to get the book and to pray these psalms. Because I go through Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3. Psalm 3 basically is the third introduction to a life of prayer. It's the first actual prayer. And it's, it's the movement um, from troubles to relationship. So this Psalm 3 is the first actual prayer. Psalm 1 and 2 are not the introductory. And Psalm 3 can be summarized as, Help! God help me! I'm in trouble. I need help. How long before you come through for me? God, you've promised. God, you've said this. Please help me. And so Psalm 3 is actually very simply Praying our troubles by entering and discovering relationship with God. Prayer is relationship. So whatever challenges, whatever issues, we turn to God and we start praying. And we use His Word to pray. And what happens is, out of the problem and the challenge and the crisis and the pain comes relationship with God. Because we don't turn to our addictions to escape we don't numb our pain through alcohol or become workaholics and escape the pressure in the home and the challenges of marriage, all, all our escape patterns. But we turn our troubles into relationship with God by praying about them and inviting God into them and trusting God for breakthrough. And that then leads, and by the way, the language of prayer is raw and honest and rough. Prayer is not kind of, you know, pedantic old English Anglican prayers. Our gracious heavenly Father, if it be thy will, forgive me all Anglicans, but um, 
Hebraic prayer is, God, where are you? Help me now. I'm so angry. I wish you'd kick my enemies in the teeth. David emotes. I tell you, prayer, whereby you pour out your emotions with God, is one of the greatest therapeutic exercises beyond what psychologists and psychiatrists can offer you to help you. Prayer is mental health and emotional health by just pouring out raw emotions. David prayed robustly to God because God's got broad shoulders. He said, where are you, God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? He spoke to his soul. He spoke to God. He spoke to his enemies all in one breath. This, this is what Jesus grew up in, the prayers of David. And David, Jesus was the son of David. So Psalm 3 is a fantastic psalm. The first psalm in the book of Psalms. You must pray that psalm. It is rich and powerful. It sets the pattern of all the prayers that unfold. It's the language of prayer that turns troubles into relationship of God, whereby God intervenes. And then let me close off. Psalm 4 and Psalm 5 are the last two introductory psalms into a life of prayer. Psalm 4 is evening prayer. And Psalm 5 is morning prayer. And what is interesting in the Hebraic thinking and in Hebraic prayer rhythms is that they prayed every night and every morning. Why is evening prayer before morning prayer? In the Western world, our day begins in the morning. When the sun rises, we say, now, now it, it's the new day. No, no, no. If any of you have been to Israel, you will all know if you've been to Israel, that the day for all Israelis starts when the sun sets. So when the sun sets, it's the beginning of the next day, of the new day. And therefore evening prayer is first, and morning prayer is halfway through the new day. So evening prayer teaches us, Psalm 4 first teaches us, that we close off the day as the sun sets in terms of the issues and the anger and the pain and stuff that's happened, we process it with God in prayer and we enter the new day in prayer. And when we have finished praying in at the start of the new day by resolving the previous day and we come to rest, we sleep. We sleep for eight hours. So we begin the new day by entering into God's rest. And the Hebrew concept of time and of rhythms is that the day begins with sleep. <laughs> we enter into rest and we entrust our new day into God's hands by going to sleep for eight hours. And while we sleep, God still works. He talks to us in our dreams. He processes the pain of the previous day and the stress and the pressure. And so it teaches us, prayer teaches us, we start our new day, which is evening prayer, by sleeping for eight hours to entrust all our work into God's hands. And God continues to work while we sleep. We surrender because God's work is far greater than our work. Then we wake up in the morning and we have morning prayers. We enter the second half of our day to actually work out in the day what God has worked in through the night. <laughs> so God's working in through the night and we work out. In Hebrew understanding, we don't work in order to rest. But we work from rest. We rest first and then we work. 
I mean, here's an example. When God created the earth, for, for six days God created. And on the sixth day God made Adam and Eve, human beings in his image and in his likeness. Then on the seventh day God and the human beings and creation rested. And then on the eighth day human beings began to work. So the first day of creation for Adam and Eve was to enter into God's rest and rest with God for a whole day. And then the eighth day of creation was to work out from rest what God had worked in through rest. Evening prayer, dear friends. Praying before you go to sleep is to resolve your day and any unresolved issues. And you'll see the fantastic teaching. You you go through the meditation in the psalm and see how David says in Psalm 4, while you're lying on your bed and before you go to sleep, resolve any anger you have in your heart and go put it right with anyone. Make the phone call. But don't go to sleep with unresolved emotional stuff because you have insomnia then and you don't sleep well. Evening prayer prepares us to enter into God's rest and morning prayer brings us out of God's rest, fully equipped to live out what God has worked in. And so morning prayer, Psalm 5 says, morning by morning, (laughs) I lift my voice to the king and I raise my voice. I come up from sleep and rest and I look up and I see the king and I then continue my the second half of my day living out the work of the kingdom because of resting in the kingdom so guys i've preached enough my time's up what a joy to have been with you and done these four talks let me pray for you lord jesus thank you for this congregation and thank you for all other people who will listen to this recording and the series of talks on prayer oh lord i pray for them that they would become like a tree, like a redwood, like an oak, deeply rooted in the meditation of your word, Lord, where your word through prayer becomes their very flesh and that they live a life full of grace and truth, shining with God's shkina, the glory of God. Bless my brothers and sisters and equip them and teach them to pray in the name of of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, folk. God bless you. Love you lots.